Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On today's show, we have Monique Scott, who is running for Hillsborough County Court Judge. Uh, she is a local attorney. She's held a lot of different uh, offices and positions in her time, uh, both as an attorney and prior to, and she was nice enough to stop by today to kind of let us know a little bit about herself and talk about her campaign for county court judge. So good morning. How are you? Good morning, Josh. I'm very good. How are you doing? I'm, I'm excited to start the day with the podcast. You know, I've, a lot of my colleagues now approach me in the hallways and ask me if I'm working anymore because of how many of these I'm doing. And the answer is yes, I'm working. I'm just working twice as hard. So uh, in any event, I, I'm not sure how I was first introduced to you or, or the concept of you running for a county court judge. Uh, it was either Greg Green during his podcast or my brother-in-law, Derek Basiglio, had mentioned that you had reached out to him. Uh, he's a he's a you know an orthodontist up in in Brandon Plant City area, and I guess you're I, either live and or work out that way. Are you a, a Florida native or? Yes. Yeah, so um, my parents actually uh, both came from Columbia um, okay. in the early '80s, um, as everyone's aware of by now. Uh, the early '80s were pretty. Um, crazy in Columbia, and uh, my mother comes from a family of 10 kids. Oh, wow. Yeah, so big family. Um, I know your your wife comes from a big family yeah. like that as well. Um, but in the early 80s, the family decided it was best for all three of the girls uh, to move to the United States, so that's exactly what they did. Um, uh, many of my uncles were in the military, and it was just determined to be unsafe for the family to continue staying in Bogota. Um, so my mom uh, got married at a very young age, and she moved uh, to the state of Florida, uh, Boynton Beach, um, where I was born um, with my father, uh, and I was, uh, well, you want me to continue? Sure. Okay. So, we're um, here for you. We're here to, to hear about you today. So. All right. So, so, yeah. So basically, um, that relationship was a really bad relationship. Um, my your, your parents you're talking about? Yeah, okay. my my biological father. Uh, Can I just ask what was your maiden name? Yeah, so maiden name was uh, Garavito. Garavito. How do you spell that? G A R A V I T O. Okay. Yep. Uh, so that relationship was a pretty bad relationship. My uh, biological father was emotionally, verbally, psychologically, and physically abusive. How I'm, old were you at this time? Uh, was, were you old enough to comprehend or were you still No, I mean I was I was an infant. Okay. Um, and the, the the abuse was going on before now there's studies that you know I practice family law and there's a lot of studies that say even infants before they're even able to comprehend what's going on can be impacted by such things in the household. So yeah. I'd be interested to kind of hear more about that. But you, so anyways well, this was mostly occurring prior to you Yeah, well I mean I ended up having to grow up with him too. Um, oh, okay. I'll get into that. But so my mom um, was in a country where she didn't speak the language, you know, was not familiar. She was very young, 22. And she was strong enough to realize that this was not the person she needed to raise a child with. So she divorced him at the age of 22 when I was still a newborn baby. Um, however, uh, she couldn't go back home, wasn't safe. And she's a single mom raising a newborn child. And um, luckily, she met my stepdad, and my stepdad's American. He's from the Tampa Bay area. He went to high school, Jefferson High School, um, and uh, met him. They ended up getting married. But um, we went through the family court system, and my father was able to still, you know, have his rights, rightly so, to visit his child once a month. And uh, I had to continue visiting with him. However, I grew up as a child um, very much in fear of my biological father. Uh, one of the main fears that the family often worried about was me being kidnapped to Colombia. Oh yeah, so that was something that was um, one of those, uh, you know, things that kind of I think shapes you as, a, as an adult. Um, and it probably made me a very strong, independent person because I grew up as a kid feeling very alone. Sure. No, um, you didn't have any siblings? No, I have a I have a sister okay. with uh, my my mom, my my stepdad, who okay. I call my dad. Okay. So she's technically speaking, I guess, like a, a stepsister. How old is she? She's thirty now. Okay. So we're about six years apart. 
Um, but she's, she's my sister. I call my stepdad, my dad, um, my dad, my dad, my stepdad raised me. Um, he walked me down the aisle, uh, was at every graduation, um, biological father. I terminated that relationship when I was 18. So, um, you just terminated on a personal level or you actually oh, took the day I turned, okay, when you became a, a, the day I turned 18, called him up and I said, this is, I don't want to talk. We're done. Kind of a kind of a tangent, but uh, so in family law, one of the things that we often deal with when we're uh, creating parenting plans for uh, families where one or, or both of the parents are from another country is we look at whether or not uh, the country of origin recognized the Hague Convention on Child Abduction, and I wonder if Colombia does or doesn't, because whenever we're writing up parenting plans, you know, there's certain places like Haiti, uh, some places in the Middle East, some places in Africa, like... Uh, I know that's what used to be called Myanmar. I don't even know what it's called anymore. But, you know, you, you, they don't recognize it. So if the kids go there, you're not getting them back. And so I wonder, I, I, I would think Columbia did. But anyways, apropos of nothing, but it just made me think of that when you were talking about that fear. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely a concern that my mom had. And um, I remember many times just, um, you know, being around him and just being extremely afraid of him. Sure. I remember at one point I even, uh, he was yelling at me and I was scared and I jumped out of the car. The car wasn't moving, but yeah. I jumped out of the car and I ran into a nearby, um, hotel and hid in the, uh, the bathroom. Oh, gosh. And, uh, the, uh, the maid was able to call the police and get me some help and he left me there. Well, so what a blessing though, that your, your stepdad came in yeah, the picture and you, no, you know, absolutely. despite all these travails, were able to have a, you know, a healthy role model from a yes. male perspective. And that's know. super important with you practicing in family law. Um, and from what I've seen with my experience, which I'm sure we're going to get into, um, I think it's super important to have both a male and a female role model or just, you know, two, um, parents, uh, for, to see what a loving relationship is, yeah. no matter what it looks like. No matter yeah. whether it's, you know, because some people think, you know, uh, a boy needs a man in his life. Yes, that's true, but so it is a, a young a young female. Oh, for sure. So, I, have a, I, have a, I have a little girl and a little boy, so, and I can, I my relationship with both are very different, and I think the role I play in their, you know, their psychology is very different, but, you know, I, I, I want to be an example of what my daughter should expect exactly whether it's from a man or a woman i mean whatever her path is i i think that you know you've got to show them that you're to be respected that there's not a hierarchy in your parents that right. they're equals and that you know anyway getting off topic a little bit but i think that's very important so uh, you know again it's great that that despite what you, you had to deal with early on, that you had that with both of them. Yes. Now, did you grow up in Tampa, though? I did. did. Okay. I grew up, I, I was raised in town and country okay. and lived in the same house um, all the way from, like, the age of four to high school. Um, that was uh, when there, all the redistricting was going on. So I actually went to two different elementary schools. I went to Bellamy and Laurie Elementary, uh, three middle schools, uh, Roland Park, uh, Blake, when it was a middle school and um, a web, web elementary, or web middle school. And then two high schools. I went to Jefferson High School, and then I went to Sickles High School. Now, were you uh, an athlete? Were you uh, academic? Were you an artsy person? What was your so I, you characterize I, young Monique? Yeah, I was a major tomboy. Oh, really? um, Oh, yes. Uh, back in, what was that, like the early, late 80s, early 90s, it was, you want to be like Mike. Remember that commercial? Oh, for sure. Yeah, so um, I wanted to be like Mike. Uh, Michael Jordan was my hero. Um, you basketball? I yeah, you know, you I, like a point guard I yeah, I'm pretty, I'm yeah. pretty, uh, I'm short, but I, uh, can scramble. I can, can scramble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I like to play with the, the boys while, you know, the girls were, you know, inside playing Barbies. I was outside, um, getting my knees scraped up and, uh, roughing it up with the boys playing basketball. Um, I had baseball trading cards. I was a total tomboy. I even, uh, my husband likes to make fun of me. I had this one awful school photo where I cut my hair short. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it's really, really I've had flattering. A of my wife that I like keep in my wallet or keep in like safe spaces. You know, I always have leverage that I'm yep. keeping somewhere. He does the same. So yeah, I, uh, I in high school I played um, tennis. I did swimming. Um, those are my two my two sports. Um, but I was always 
very active. I was involved with the Key Club. Um, key club. Yeah, yeah, Key Club, student government. Um, so I kept busy, and that was, I think that's, uh, I have a son now who's in high school, and that's what. You have a son who's in high school? I have a son who's in high oh school. He's 14. Wow. Yeah, he's a freshman. I, I, I kind of did the math in my head. You're around 36, 37? I'll be 38 this month. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so what about college? Where'd you go? Oh, I stayed local again. Um, so uh, again, just growing up in my household, it was a very strict conservative household. Um, parents really didn't want me to go off by myself. I think they wanted to keep me very sheltered. Um, but I was able to get into University of South Florida. It was the only college I applied to. And I was lucky enough to find a job Um and that was really what allowed me to go off to college because uh, the parents were like, yeah, you got to do this on your own. Did you I, go straight through four years? I or? did my four years, got the Bright Future scholarships that helped oh, out wow. a lot. Yeah. Um, I worked all through college. What sort of work did you do? Uh, I actually had two jobs. I All through college, I had at least two jobs. Um I worked the first two first year on, on campus at the uh, USF gym. I worked at the... Uh, do you remember Fontana Hall? I didn't go there. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was like the dorm off campus that was like the nice dorm. Okay. And My wife went the... there, so she would know, and Derek yeah. went there. He'd know, but, you know. Yeah, so it was, uh, I worked there as well as like a, like an RA kind of. Okay. And uh, then there was a, an apartment complex that opened up down the street, Breckenridge, started working there. And then there was a, um, like a New Tampa, it was close by, and a lot of the kids were moving um, from off-campus to New Tampa apartment complexes and uh, ended up working at a, um, uh, like a water hole, uh, Peabody's. Okay. And uh, worked there as well. And then I did a little bit of personal training towards my later years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what did you get your degree in? Um, I majored in criminology and minored in psychology. I almost, I think that was... That was Greg, I think. No, I did. I did something very similar. I did. I, I think it was criminology and not sociology. It was something else. I can't even remember. But uh, so now, did I hear you were a police officer? You were in law enforcement at some yeah, point. Yeah. So okay. Um, in high school, um, I was. Uh, we you know we had like career day, um, and we had an FBI agent come in, and I was uh, maybe like sixteen, seventeen. And I'm so thankful that he came in because that's what really planted the seed to get into law enforcement. And uh, the nice thing about that, too, is it kept me out of um, getting into trouble because he came into that classroom and was like, yeah, you can't do any drugs, no smoking, no nothing. You know, great grades. And I was like, okay, this is what I want to do, so I got to make sure I stay out of trouble. So um, definitely owe that man uh, for, for the career path. Um, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to go into law enforcement, I want to be like some sort of FBI special agent, mm -hmm. U.S. Marshals, something. Um, so yeah, as I was attending USF, um, that was the career path. I actually uh, was going through the application process with the U.S. Marshals for a co-op. Um, so basically it was an internship that would turn into a job. Um, and uh, we kind of skipped over this, but um, when I was 10 years old, I was diagnosed with epilepsy. Oh, okay. Epilepsy is a, a lifelong uh, condition. Um, other than having seizures, it's you, you lead a pretty normal life. I've been pretty fortunate to have um, the epilepsy controlled with medication, um, very tolerant. Uh, as long as I take the medication, everything's good. So never really had to deal with any sort of adversity regarding epilepsy until that point in my life when I tried getting a job in law enforcement with the U.S. Marshals and... Um, Basically, they were like, yeah, you know, you passed all of the tests, you did the physicals, everything's good, um, but we're sorry to say because of, uh, of this disability, you're not going to qualify. Crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, you know, the thing about me, people who know me well, they know that I'm pretty determined and um, ambitious, and I, I don't usually take no for an answer. Right. Um, so that did not stop me. Uh, I... Uh, Ended up um, moving to D.C. about a one-way ticket, um, thinking I was going to make something work up there. I got a job with the uh, an internship actually with the uh, public defender's office as an investigator, and I was going to get out of Dodge and uh, make a career and a life in D.C. Um, so again, I bought a one-way ticket and did that internship. However, before leaving to D.C., I met my husband. 
Um, so, so were you in D.C. at all? I, I did. I went to D.C. I love D.C. Did yeah. you like D.C.? Yeah. I lived, That's amazing. I lived in Arlington. Okay. Loved the Metro. Got around everywhere with the Metro. Okay. Um, it's, it's a young town right. where everybody is equally ambitious and yeah. hungry. Yeah. Um, and it's, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. But I met How the man. Well, I met him at USF. Okay. Um, so we were at... Uh, I was doing my undergrad, finishing up my undergrad. He was doing some prereqs for chiropractic school, and we met at the USF gym. And, uh, I mean, literally like a couple months before me leaving to D.C. And um, he was nice enough to come and visit me in D.C. And uh, he was just really special, and and I knew that I could tell right away I'm a pretty good judge of character. And um, I fell in love with him quick. What's his name? Justin Scott. And he's a chiropractor. He's a chiropractor, yeah. Is he a a local guy? or? He's a local guy. He grew up in Temple Terrace. Um, Family's local as well. They grew up in Tampa. What's the name of his business? Strong Life Chiropractic. Do they have multiple offices, just one? Just one office, yeah. Where's that located? uh, Fishhawk. Yeah, Fishhawk. Shout out to, what's it called again? (laughs) Strong Life Chiropractic. Strong Strong Life Chiropractic out in Fishhawk. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so... um, we uh, we ended up um, getting together. We were doing long distance, obviously, for a little while, and, and while I was in D.C., and um, decided to move back. Yeah. Uh, D.C. was really cold, and of course, I had fallen in love, so moved back um, and was able to get a job with the uh, as a scholarship cadet with the Tampa Police Department. Okay. So. Um, got uh, that opportunity. There was 10 of us that got this opportunity to um, go through the academy, um, paid for by the Tampa Police Department. We also got a stipend, which was really nice. Um, Those 10 individuals are now some of my best friends. Um, Are they all on the force or are they gone? No, some of them have gone different directions. Um, uh, The ones that are still here with the, with the department, um, I mean, are doing amazing work with the city. Uh, they've advanced in their careers. Some of them are corporals. Some of them are detectives. Um, we've got one who's the Hispanic liaison uh, for TPD and has started the uh, Ambassador of Ambitions program, also affiliated with the Police Athletic League. Um, so really, really great, um, just great people. Uh, bi- just, just while I'm thinking of it, are you bilingual? I'm not. I can okay. get by. Yeah. Um, but and that's kind of like another story sure. growing yeah, just, up. But yeah, I can get by. Um, but no, not bilingual. But yeah, so I uh, went through the police academy. Um, got sworn in. Went through the holdover phase where they're teaching you the uh, the rules and procedures related specifically to Tampa Police Department. And um, was going through field training when the city, um, the contract with the uh, general physician had had gone had expired, or they hired a new doctor or something. So my whole class had to go and get reevaluated medically for the pension. And um, when we did, this pension doctor he did not want to sign off on uh, on me uh, because of my epilepsy despite the fact that I'd already been evaluated medically by two or three other doctors and my neurologist had already signed off on it as well. Because again, it was controlled. I hadn't had a seizure in years. And, um, it's just weird to me because it seems like a ADA issue. Like, it was, it, yeah, I it mean, was, I, yeah, I, it know. was. It, so this is 2006. Okay. Right. So in 2006, the American Disabilities Act, the ADA, Um, did not, unfortunately, include epilepsy as a disability. Now, in 2009, the American Disabilities Act was reformed to include that. So had it had happened three years earlier, I would have been covered, and any sort of accommodation, which really there was none for me specifically that needed to be had, but if the doctor had felt so uncomfortable, then an accommodation would have had to been made. But in this case, since it happened in 2006, I was not covered, and I was just out of luck. Gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean... Questionably, maybe not. I mean, look where you're at now. Yes. So maybe this was all part of the plan. So I think so. So uh, when did the idea for law school uh, enter your head? So law school was always a plan. Okay. I just thought that I would do it later on in my career. Okay. Um, so when that fell through, I was fortunate. When the TPD fell through. Yeah, when okay. TPD fell through, um, 
I was fortunate enough to have uh, some people in my life who were teachers. And they were, um, one of them is an aunt who is a person who I look up to. Um, I've had great teachers in my life as a student. And then I had another friend um, who was teaching as well. And um, so I decided to to try teaching. Um, I like kids. I like working with kids. Um, and I've always had a passion for science and history. So I was like, if I could get in doing something like that, that would be great. Um, so I started off teaching. I taught elementary school. Started off teaching fourth and fifth grade, um, which I loved. Uh, really great uh, kids at Veterans Elementary and Sanders Elementary over in Pasco County. And um, then transitioned into middle school, taught middle school science, um, eighth grade, and sixth grade. So oh, I taught wow. for five years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So Quite I did a, that. A breadth of experience there. I mean, right. A lot of different, a lot of different facets. So. So one of my passions is, um, you know, I guess some people call it idealistic or being naive, but I, you know, we've got one life to live and the way I view it is I want to make as much of an impact as I can. Right. I want to make a difference. And I think that the way you can do that is to start locally. Right. Um, and, and so that's, you know, that's always been my aspiration in life is to help others and to make that difference. And I think the best way you can do that is by becoming a police officer, by becoming a teacher, by working as a prosecutor at the state attorney's office, because that gets you in touch with the community. You get some hands-on um, experience, like, working with these citizens of our county. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's always been an interest of mine. So I transitioned from teaching, however, um, back into law because that passion for the law remained inside of me. And, um, you know, I, I, like I told you, I've always been the kind of person that I'm, I'm not really going to take no for an answer. I'm going to, if a door closes, I'm going to find another way to get in. I can feel that energy coming off. I, I can see that. Yeah. You. Oh yeah. 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 It, I don't know if you hear it on the, on the, on the, in, on, over the microphones, but you can sense it in person. Anyway, go ahead. So, um, you know, I, uh, had talked to a few family members, a few friends, um, and since law school was always in the back of my mind, but uh, again, I was thinking later in life, um, started investigating that. Um, I had had a family at this point. My son was in like first or second grade. My husband had just started off uh, with his own practice. So financially, we were kind of in a, in a tight spot for me to just quit my job teaching. Um, so I decided to go to law school part-time. Um, so was able to get into Stetson's part-time program. What year was this about? This was 2009. Okay. Yeah, 2009. So got into Stetson's part-time program, um, went to school at night, taught during the day, and I loved every minute of it. I mean, my husband, even to this day, is like, I don't know how you did it, but I would come home every night excited and amped, um, just learning about the law and uh, even, you know, even like, what some people consider like boring topics like property and, right. you know, contracts. I loved it. Loved every minute well, of it. You're getting to use a, a muscle that you don't necessarily use in everyday life. You know, that analysis and that logic and that. I'm actually writing a book right now uh, with uh, a business consultant on billable hours. And, uh, you know, one of the big themes is how ill-equipped law schools are to teach you to run a business and run a, a practice. But... The one thing with law school that I, I liked right away, like you're mentioning, is it conditioned you to, to really think, you know, think in depth about nuances that normally, you know, you just don't have to in life. You know, who am I going to vote for? What am I going to eat for dinner tonight? What car am I going to buy? You know, these are the decisions right. that a lot of people make. But when you're having to do issue rule analysis conclusion and read about... You know, all these different things. It's 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 it's. I I've got to imagine if you had an MRI done, you would see a part of the brain light up that you don't normally. So, it definitely is a, a appealing. I I, I, Absolutely. I had that same experience as you. When did you graduate? So I graduated Stetson's part time program in 2012. Okay. Yes. And so what? Where did where did that lead you? So from there, um, again, I I wanted to be back involved with law, law enforcement in some capacity. 
Um, I tried other areas just to make sure I wasn't, you know, closing any doors that were, you know, possibilities. Um, but again, that passion for law was there. I did a CLI certified legal internship with uh, Pasco County's state attorney's office and a CLI with Hillsborough County's state attorney's Dade office. Dade City or Newport Ritchie? Um, Dade City. Okay, so was that like Sestak and who were, who were your judges out there at that time? Oh man, I'm not gonna remember their names. Yeah, it was and it was it was county court, so we were in front of a couple of different judges. Right, I, right. I was getting handed around to everybody sure. to 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 be used, um, but. Uh, so I ended up taking a job with the state attorney's office in Hillsborough County, um, started there in intake, uh, and then... Uh, oh, God, I probably sent you some letters. Oof. Yeah? Yeah. Glad uh, you don't remember me. Go ahead. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> nothing. You were all right. Yeah. Uh, so did, you know, intake, um, did county court. Which uh, were you in front of in county court? County is in front of Leffler. Amazing. Leffler. Yes. He's in family law now, so, and his kids go to same school as my my daughter does so i he uh he actually just carved my daughter's pine woodwork yeah 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 so he loves the woodwork but anyway yeah it was awesome Go ahead. he is um judge taylor judge taylor is actually her podcast is coming out today oh she, great yeah she came in last week last friday and yeah awesome yeah yeah okay good uh judge far scott far far i like him a lot too yeah had a competition to see who could have the better beard and okay. I used to have him in a DVI court all the time and yeah. I loved him because he would actually like listen to legal arguments yes. and not just be a you know a, a pocket vote for issuing an injunction he, he had the uh, gumption to deny them when they were uh, didn't have merit so I always liked him for that great judge um judge uh, McNeil and judge Gabbard over in Plant City Art McNeil, Jennifer Gabbard. Jennifer yep. Gabbard's in uh, former prosecutor right at his yep. state attorney's yep. office. Uh, last one to get appointed right. uh, from uh, the state. Um, Judge oh, Judge Weiss. I was in DV Love court Judge for Weiss. a little while. I used to when he was a general magistrate. I used to have cases in front of him. So uh, yeah, he's great too. Yeah, um, I think that's it for the county court judges. Felony, where'd you go? And then, so from there, I did drug court and I did VOP court. So drug court was um, uh, Pomponio. Pomponio's in family law now. Yeah, and then VOP court was Judge Perry. <laughs> Judge Perry's a, a, a force of nature. Yes, he is. Did you see the article that just came out about Nazaridan and the probation and in, in his courtroom? It was all over social media yesterday. No, I haven't you seen take it a yet. Look at I'll, it. I'll, I'll look it for it. Me. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's been sending it to me. I was like, oh. I like I like Judge Naz. I mean, I've been in front of him in criminal court and family law court. But if, if you've ever been in front of him, he took over for Perry. Right. And he's just as colorful as Perry. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of editorial comments going on from the from the bench in there so it's uh interesting awesome yeah uh so from there then i was promoted to felony um i went to felony c felony division c and that was uh that was actually uh judge moody ashley moody who's now our attorney oh, general attorney general yeah yeah practiced in front of her for two years and she'll, she'll sharpen your sword because she you know nothing gets by her and oh yeah you gotta be on your a game with her so oh, I, she's I super sharp family law and again it was like yeah, she's she's on it. She's yeah. on her game for yeah. sure. Uh, very pleasant person, though. Um, and then from there, uh, went to Felony Division I, which was in front of Judge Laura Ward. Never dealt with Judge Laura Ward. She's fantastic. Okay. She's fantastic. So, yeah, and then, you know, obviously I've had plenty of trials working at the state. I mean, you're in trial every yeah. other week, and you're usually prepping for multiple uh, trials uh, once, to go yeah. at once. Mm -hmm. Um so, you know, I've had the opportunity to practice in front of Judge Sabella, um, Judge Sam Ward. Um, I love Sam Ward. She's another favorite of mine. Yeah. No, she's great. Um, you know, Judge uh, Holder, he's, you know, on sure. the, he lives, he's getting he ready lives, to retire. He lives down the street from Madge and I. Okay. We see him all the time. Okay. <laughs> which, which we were talking about Madge Vasig a minute ago. If you know Judge Holder, you know <laughs> Madge Vasig. <laughs> Politically, they occupy very different spaces, and they literally live like down the street from each other right Great, now. Great, loud personalities, yeah, yeah, yeah. and actually, Judge Holder was the one who swore me in. I actually um, interned for him when I was going through law school, so um, very close to Judge Holder. Um, who else? Uh, Judge Battles um, before he went to civil. So you've had a lot of different 
yes. judges to yes. model yes. yourself off of, or, or at least see what you feel works or doesn't work or that sort of thing. Yeah, I've had the opportunity to observe uh, different judges um, expose uh, different strategies, different uh, temperaments, um, different uh, styles in handling the docket, um, so or manage the courtroom. So that sort of experience, I think, will uh, aid me in deciding, you know, how I want to rule from the bench. Um, I know what works. I know what things can be improved upon. Well, I'm going to go. I'm going to go through all that with you. And yeah. I definitely want to hear about that. But I want to get to the impetus for running for judge. Sure. When, when when was that? Also, always the plan, or was that something that kind of? Well, we kind of did a little bit of a leap there because you left the state and then went into the private sector, didn't you? Right. So I just left. Okay. To, when did you leave? I left in January. I left January third was my last day. Twenty twenty. Of twenty twenty. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I thought you had been in in the. At the private program, yeah for a while much longer than that no what's I, the name of the practice that you're at um i'm at frankie law okay uh so that's f-r-a-n-c-h-i yes okay. correct frankie law um primarily personal injury but we are doing family law as well and criminal defense well having a husband who's a chiropractor i'm sure doesn't hurt doing personal injury it, it's going to be helpful okay yes well if you get judged I, we do personal injury too so Okay. Send us some cases, but anyway, um, wow. So that's that's great. So when you left, did you have eyes on running for judge? Oh yeah. I mean, okay. I sat down with um, with Andrew Warren, the current mm-hmm. state attorney, and um, told him, you know, that this was my plan, and um, he was very receptive to it and supportive of it. Um, so you worked both under Mark Ober and Andrew I did. Warren. I got yeah. hired by Mark. Um, he was fantastic as well. Um, and, uh, you know, was there and then stayed through with, um, with Andrew has, who has also done a great job. Um, they both have different styles. Uh, both I think are, uh, have done and will continue to do a great job. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I sat down with Andrew and I told him that this was something I was wanting to do. And, um, you know, it it was, it was, I mean, the the ball was already rolling. Um, so, uh, he was supportive. I left uh, January 3rd, which was a Friday, and then I filed on Monday, wow. January 6th. Um, I think now, is some there groups for county court. There, like there are. For, so, what group are you running? It's for? group seven. Okay. But the thing is, with that, like, I want to make sure your listeners know the groups as far as voting, anybody who lives in Hillsborough County can vote regardless of the group. Well, for sure, but it, it tells listeners what who you're running against, right. I guess. So right. and in this election you have three people that you're running against. Correct. And who are they again? So the um, opponents are Nancy Jacobs. Now Nancy Jacobs, I'm having a senior moment. I know I know Nancy Jacobs, but I'm trying to remember how I know Nancy Jacobs. What does she do? What, I, I don't know her very well. I, I think she like practices she, in family, but I think I'm that not must sure. Be what it is. And I'm just for whatever reason I can't put a face with the name, but I I know that name. Yeah. Uh, and then Rick Silverman. Rick Silverman who, you know, does traffic. I traffic stuff. Yeah. Who's like one of the first people to do the ticket clinic. Right. But, I've actually I worked with him a little bit when I was in County Misdemeanor. Sure. Well, so I've right. That. So um, Rick and then Bill Yanger. Who I don't know. I've heard about. I don't mm-hmm. know personally. Wow. Four people. Yep. That's interesting. Four people. So. And two women, two men. Two women, two men. So the way it's gonna work and. You know, your listeners will know this if they listen to the other podcasts with the other candidates from different elections. But the primaries are occurring August 18th. So the top two will then move on to the the November to the general election. And so this is your first time running, as as you stated. Uh, You're the first person that's running for county court that I've had the opportunity. Well, Judge Taylor's up for re-election, so we kind of talked about that. But but specifically someone in, in your position, this is the first time running. How has that been? I mean, it's got to, it seems like it's just a crazy amount of work and you got to always be on. Have right. you found it to be that? No, honestly, I'm enjoying it. I'm loving well, every one minute. Of these people who love this stuff. You, yeah. You, you, well, you I've, dig the, you know. The, I've always been involved with the community. Like I said, I've been involved with Key Club since I was 15. Right. So I had exposure to public service at a very young age. Um, and I, I kept up with it. 
so, you know, for me, this is all very natural. I mean, I'm, I'm on four different boards. I'm on the um, Sheriff's Hispanic Advisory Council. I'm on the Epilepsy Service Foundation Board. I'm on the Tampa Hispanic um, Board. Um, I'm on the Hillsborough Association of Women Lawyers Board. Um, and those are just the boards that I serve on. I'm on a couple of different committees and involved with a couple of other organizations. Do you have any charitable stuff? Yes, of course. Um, my family and I, we volunteer at the Humane Society and okay. Metropolitan Ministries. Okay. So, like I said, and then, you know, my son, what's great is um, now that he's in high school, he's got to get those community service hours so we can do it as a family and we have a good time. But, no, I, I love it, and I think it's actually very important for um, judicial candidates, judges, um, any sort of public figure, because that's what you become um, once you start uh, putting your name in for, for public leadership. You become a public figure, and I think it's important that we stay involved with the community, that we volunteer in the community, because that's what keeps you um, in touch with the community and gives you the pulse of the community. You don't want to isolate yourself. And, um, which, is, which I've, I've kind of learned through my interviews is a problem with yes, judges because yes. you go from a very collegial environment where, you know, you're dealing with other attorneys, dealing with all these people to being a judge where you're kind of sequestered from society. You right. know, you can't really... But you there's know, no reason why you can you have to stop your involvement with the community. Well, I don't know if you listen to Danny Alvarez or know Danny Alvarez. I did. D Danny Alvarez is is a crazy person. I mean that. In a, in he's a, got a lot of energy. He's got so much energy. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to still do a podcast, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to, you know, he he just he's another yeah. one. He, he's he's a male version of you. Of he me. Just, yeah, yeah no, I know. Don't touch the ground, but right. Do you know Miriam Velez, Judge Velez. Judge uh, Valkenberg. Valkenberg. So. Yes. Yeah, so she's a mentor of mine. She's actually well, one of my role me, models. So you remind me a lot of her. She and I went to Stetson together at okay. the same time, and I was I'm friends with Jason. You know, we all studied in the library, and and even I think. I feel like she was in the DEA or she had some... She has law enforcement experience yeah. as well. She um, was a probation officer and went to, I think, the D DEA uh, like training facility or something Charles like Arline that. Too. I don't know if you know Charles Arline. Do you know Charles? No. Bald guy, very colorful personality, okay. about my age. Yeah. She comes to the court. Anyway. She's but, a firecracker, too. I mean... Well, she is. That's what happens with us, uh, you know, Hispanic females when we're little, but we... Uh, you know, yeah, we, yeah, we can, you can throw it down. Punch. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so with the county court, that means that you can either do what? County criminal, um, traffic. Uh, can County can sit on the DVI, can't they? Or am I am I wrong about that? They, the the DV court, like yeah. the county. Yeah, they have a county. I think that's where Judge Taylor is at right now is um, county court uh, domestic violence trial division. No, but I meant, sorry, like injunctions. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I think Judge Weiss did that for a little bit as well. Right, right. And then you can also do county civil. Right. Because the small claims right. and all that other kind of stuff. Are there any other uh, any other ones that I'm missing? No, that's it. You got okay. it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, You know, I, I, when my wife was still practicing regularly, I was always pushing her. I was like, you got to run, you got to run, because... Basiglio, which is her maiden name, are, you know, everywhere in Brandon Plant yes. City. You know, again, Latino, Italian, which is a big, big community, like half of, you know, uh, Frank Gomez, Palomino, Dominguez, like all these. All those like powerhouse names. Well, they're all like cousins of hers, right. too. So it's funny, like I always joke, like 50% of my clients, not that they're all criminals or anything, but, you know, is family or cousins or whatever. And you know, Sheridan doesn't get you anything in Tampa, Florida. If you went to Boston or New York, it might, you know, have some pull, but down here. But the Basiglio yeah. does it. But I wanted her to run for judge, and I was like, county court is where it's at because, you know, circuit court, divorces are just, I mean, it's such a grind on your soul. And then in criminal, you know, you got these death penalty cases, these violent felons right. and or these corporate, you know, in circuit civil, you know, big, you're just playing with big chips. So like, county court, you get the opportunity, I think. I mean, it's um, important to, and you're making to, a difference. Right, to really I, make I an impact. Think, and you come across people who um, are maybe entering the, the justice system or coming to court for the first time. For sure. Um, so, and then, you know, you also have your cases where, remember, you've got some cases that are downgraded from, from felonies. Felonies, yeah. To, to misdemeanors because you have uncooperative um, victims or witnesses. I mean, some of my most egregious cases that I prosecuted as as a prosecutor 
were county court cases that were just downgraded from felonies to misdemeanors. Um, so, I mean, you can't let that, just because it's a small-natured crime, um, slip through the cracks. Well, most, most criminal arrests, I think, got to be DUIs or drug charges. And most times, unless it's a significant amount of drugs or there's a fatality or serious bodily injury, those are good going through the county court system. Correct. So, and I know, at least with uh, Andrew Warren, the uh, process for DUIs has changed a lot with the Rider program. Right. I know that uh, they're looking, I don't know if he's looking at it, but I've heard some talk of um, decriminalizing or at least not charged. There was some treatment of marijuana charges that they were going to kind of change a little bit. And if that hasn't happened yet, it's 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 coming. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, a lot lot's happening in the county court um, uh, space. So uh, in, in talking to some of the other people that are running, I've kind of gone through what my view is of the bench. You know, they always have these view from the bench luncheons where you get to come in and have judges talk about what they see attorneys doing. I don't know how often they have a view from in front of the bench luncheons, but, um, you know, I've said it a million times. The biggest thing for me is temperament, right? Temperament, temperament, temperament. I don't care if you don't know the law. I don't care if you're late. I don't care anything else. Yep. This is such a difficult job, right? such a difficult experience for civilians going through the system Absolutely. no matter what yeah and it's it's usually while it may not always be life or death to the people it feels like life or death and you know people ask me about being an attorney and i i said i don't think anybody prior to me becoming an attorney ever questioned my ethics my morals or my integrity and it is questioned on an hourly basis now in this profession and you find yourself oftentimes your client doesn't trust you because they think you're trying to take their money. Right. The other party hates you because they're you're representing their spouse or whatever. Right. If it's a state attorney, their job is to not distrust you, but kind of hold you to a certain, uh, you know, standard. If it's a civil matter, the other attorney's fighting with you, and then the judges are up there. And if you have a judge who's just ornery or angry, you know, and they're humans, and I get that, but you. You can't be angry on the bench. Well, you can't I just be. See some of these judges, and I've talked about it so many times, but it's so important to me. I'll say it again: like, know what you're getting into. Yeah. And I hope, and you've you've had the experience with a bunch of judges, and and been a prosecutor, so you've been in the courtroom a bunch. So I expect that you have, but it's not an easy job, and it's not necessarily a fun job. Right. And it's not, you know. So if you're going to be in there, hopefully you like it. But if you don't. Don't take it out on the attorneys. Don't take it out on the people right. in your courtroom. No, I agree. I mean, I've been in front of a few judges um, that are exactly as you described. I mean, they're they're not, at least they don't seem happy to be there. And you walk in and no matter which side you're on or who you're representing, um, you're going to get yelled at, which is never pleasant for anybody to experience. Um, you know, I, I think... Uh, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that you have to have the appropriate temperament. It needs to be professional. It needs to be civil. It needs to be humane. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think people are coming in. Sometimes it's their first time. Sometimes it's their 20th time. Either way, they need to be treated um, with respect. And that that courtroom is sacred. I mean, uh, a lot of judges keep, um, like, a little plaque that says, you know, you know, civility is to be expected. Sure. Well, it's to be expected from the bench both as well. Both ways. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, yes, I've had the opportunity to practice in front of many of our current um, sitting judges, uh, county and uh, circuit. Some of them have retired. And um, most of them are really great. Most of them um, have the, the right temperament. There are some areas that, you know, I think I would um, – like to to improve upon or or bring something different um you know one of the things i often hear is oh my god you look so young and i i do have a, a young looking face but the thing about that is is that you're going to get somebody who has a very unique perspective think about the educators that you know in your life think about the first responders and law enforcement that you have in your life i'm going to be bringing a perspective of all three of those uh, backgrounds and professions, a teacher, a prosecutor, and a, uh, uh, a law enforcement officer. And those are, those are opportunities that I've had to come in contact with, um, with just the general public. And, and I think 
those experiences are not going to be forgotten or lost on me. And it's going to translate, I think, fantastic on the bench. And I really hope to be the judge that doesn't stop serving once I get off that bench. I expect, um, that is an expectation of mine that I continue my service off the bench. I will not stop being involved with the boards or the organizations that I'm a part of. I hope to engage um, uh, the uh, community. There's a Okay, there was one time I was in PP court. Um, Preliminary appearance court, for yes. those of you who don't know what PP court right, is. Right, thank you. And Judge Leffler was on the bench, and we, we both have spoken how great he is. Do you know that uh, we had a uh, juvenile uh, child come in? Uh, he absconded, um, wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. Judge Leffler had the principal's um, phone number on his phone and called him right there from the bench. That's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. That judge is so in tuned with the community right. that he has the principal's phone number on speed dial. Right. That's the kind of judge I want to be. Well, and that's that's amazing. And if Judge Leffler is a hero of yours, then you know that 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 that's <laughs> that's a good mark for me. Let me ask you this, not because I'm concerned with it by you, but I know it's something that comes up when people are running who have, you know, substantially a prosecutorial or a law enforcement background because you're going to have to be in a situation where you're judging the veracity of, of testimony from a police officer versus a civilian. And so uh, I know that sometimes there's a concern that if someone had only occupied the prosecution space or only occupied the defense space, that they may be one-sided more, you know, inclined to kind of go that way in the rulings. Sure. Uh, I'm, I imagine you've thought about that and have an answer, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to speak speak on that. Absolutely. So um, the time that I've been with the state attorney's office, and I explained to you all the different areas and capacities that I served, um, what's nice about Hillsborough County State Attorney's Office is that we are not micromanaged. We are expected um, to, to do the right thing above all else. Um, and it's not about the statistics of what's your prosecution rate, what's your rate of guilty verdicts. It's about doing the right thing and, and finding truth and justice. So there have been many times as a prosecutor where I get something that comes across my desk and it's not, I don't, I don't believe in it. I don't think that um, we should file the case and I'll review it with my chief. I'll review it with my deputy chief. And we come to the conclusion that this is not something that either should have be should be filed or should have been filed and we drop the case. Right. And and there's never any pushback on that um, because you know I can't speak Obviously you never worked for Pinellas County State. I, I was not in Pinellas. <laughs> it's a different I, different story over there. Yeah, so but you know I can speak for Hillsborough County and I can tell you that the prosecutors working there um, you know I I think in my opinion for the most part um, do their very best to go through those cases, uh, you know, fairly and partially. And if, if it's not a case that they believe in, then they do hopefully what I did and go to their chief, their deputy chief. And, you know, you just end up not filing or dismissing the case right. or no processing or dropping it. And, you know, you can speak to defense attorneys who've worked with me and they know that they know that they're they know when I was working there they were able to come into my office sit down talk to me and say Monique this is the problem with this case and uh and yeah and, and there have been cases where I have um null prost right. um because it's it's not there and the same thing with law enforcement I mean look uh where we're at today I think law enforcement including prosecutors are under a microscope and probably rightfully so um because it's a lot of power, right? right. Uh, but uh, the thing is, too, I mean, law enforcement makes mistakes. They um, And when they make mistakes, they have a, a huge impact. They are not – it's not – we can't just be like, oh, they're humans. They make mistakes. No, they're humans who do make mistakes, but their mistakes have an impact on other humans. So I'm not um, ignorant to the fact that, yeah, I do have that um, experience – uh, strongly with law enforcement and prosecution, but I think um, that if you speak to other attorneys who've worked with me, other judges, um, I don't see things black and white. There are so many shades of gray, and um, from the bench, um, 
I think you need to have that um, humanity in mind and look at the individual not as just a number or another person cycling through the system, but you need to look at them as a human. And that's what I expect of myself. Well, before we wrap up, uh, where can people find your uh, campaign online? Where can people find your firm page online? How, how do people find you? Social sure. Media? Yeah. So um, we've got a website and it's uh, the website is Scott, the number four, uh, judge.com. And then we're on Facebook as well. Uh, Facebook is Monique Scott for uh, County Court Judge. And then on Instagram and Twitter. If you go to the website, the website has all the, the links to all the social media platforms. Um, cell phone number is 813-758-4834. I'm making that public. Anybody can call me or text me at any point. Um, law firm, is, again, is uh, Frankie Law. Um, they can get in touch with me there at that office. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm available for any sort of um, questions or anything that's needed of the community because, as I said, I want to make sure I keep in touch with, with that aspect. Well, you've had such good stuff to talk about today and say, is there any uh, closing remarks or anything else that you want to get out that we didn't touch on before we wrap up? Um, no, I think uh, – I think, I think we, we did a good yeah, job. I think you, we covered all the bases. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for stopping by today. It was nice to meet you in person. Uh, you know, it's, it's great that I've gotten to have the ability to do this with a lot of the people in your position because it just gives me such an insight to who's running. You know, I, I don't know if this was your experience as a prosecutor, but all of your family or anybody that lives locally, when it's time to vote for judge, they always text you, who should I vote for? Who right. should I vote for? And you know, uh, what I have found at times or I've heard from people running is oftentimes if people don't know who the candidates are, there's a propensity to vote for uh, the female candidate, which I heard is something. Interestingly, in this situation with four of you, two of you female, two of you men, I'll be interested to see how that kind of shakes out. But uh, I wish you the best of luck. Thank if there's you. anything I can do, I make the same offer to everybody that comes on. We're a highly trafficked area here on Tampa Street, so whenever it's time to put up signs, you're welcome to wave flags, that sort of thing. And I wish you the best of Thank luck. Thank you. I appreciate that so All much. Right. Take care. All right.